0: Welcome to the show that gets Christians thinking about faith and politics. Get ready to challenge the status quo, expand your imagination, and tackle controversy head on. Let's stand together at the intersection of faith and freedom. It's time for the Libertarian Christian Podcast. All right. We are here at the Libertarian Christian Institute booth at Freedom Fest in Memphis, 2023. And I'm here with Patrick Carroll. He works for FEE, and he's a Libertarian Christian. And we're here to have a conversation. Patrick, thanks for sitting here and talking with me. Thanks for having me on. So tell me a little bit about what you do at FEE, how long you've been there, what are your responsibilities. And I know you're a writer, so tell us what you love to write about.
1: Yeah. So I've been working for FEE for about two and a half years now. I work as a writer and editor so I vet the submissions that come in and work with authors to get them out. And then I also have a weekly column that goes out in our daily email, as well as on our website, as well as various other uh, projects that we're working on. So I love my job. It's really awesome to be teaching the freedom philosophy to the next generation. We're really focused on making the ideas of individual freedom, personal responsibility, limited government accessible and engaging and compelling to Gen Z specifically. And so we really focus on using timely stories to teach timeless principles. We like to have a news hook, to to talk about things that are trending, but also to kind of use those as teachable moments to say there's a principle at play here. There's a lesson here that we can learn from this story about broader either economic ideas, obviously we focus a lot on that, but also political philosophy, the ideas of liberty and the tradition of liberty going back to classical liberalism. We really try to teach our audience the history, the political philosophy, all of that. So in terms of my personal writing, I write on a wide variety of topics. I like talking about places where the government is screwing over people, taking stories from like the Pacific Legal Foundation or the Institute for Justice, whether it's things like occupational licensing or certificate of need laws Mm. and highlighting those injustices, but also the economics behind those kinds of protectionist schemes. I also write about the education system and how that could be improved. I write about civil liberties, free speech, and really trying to bring a more scholarly philosophical perspective. Right, There's a lot of folk understanding about what libertarianism is, but I really try to challenge people using the ideas of Rothbard, Mises, Henry Hazlitt and get them to think about issues in a different way to that they maybe haven't thought about it mm-hmm. before. I really mm-hmm. like challenging the framing and asking questions like, well, well, there's usually there's the right perspective, there's the left perspective. What if there was a third way of thinking about this? that we don't normally think about it this way, that could resolve some of the, the tensions mm-hmm, and, and the battle mm-hmm. lines that tend to be drawn. So that's what I like to do. At
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so as you were talking, I was reminded that you're from Canna, yes. Canada. Yes. Yeah. So you're you're Canadian? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. are you the only in libertarian in Toronto or in Canada? Uh, I how feel like that, I'm one, one of five of us. One of five, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, a long time ago, I was before I was involved with LCI or what became LCI, and you just had random friends on the internet that were also libertarians, I felt like I wanted to start a website the lonely libertarian Hmm. because like where I was I was kind of the only one. I mean not quite I think I might have made a friend or two that kind of leaned that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, but in terms of like solidly embracing the what I call the philosophy, the the political philosophy. The freedom philosophy. um, Prior to doing that. So are you active at all in local chapters or anything like that or do you just kind of focus on what you what your work is at with fee? Yeah I
1: mostly focus on fee I try not to get involved in actual politics. I'm much more interested in the education space and in, mm-hmm. in talking about the ideas, but it was tricky. I became a Libertarian in 2018. Before then, I was kind of center-left, typical Canadian, but I had a few influences in my life. Some of my friends were homeschooled, and so they were exposed to some different ideas, including some Libertarian ideas, and then they kind of rubbed off on me. Yeah, and I, okay. I started getting curious, and eventually the Canadian government started passing some really egregious legislation, specifically around free speech. And in 2017, 2018, I kind of had a crisis of conscience where I was like, how is it possible that the government can do this? Like this just isn't right. And I was so concerned and so just appalled at these anti-free speech bills that were coming through that it forced me to rethink my entire political Mm -hmm. philosophy.
0: And that's where I ended up. Any particular works?
1: Any particular pieces of legislation?
0: No, no. uh, Well, you can talk about that. I just meant like some of the material that you read that converted or convinced you.
1: Yeah. So I was digging into a lot of different things. The guy that actually forced me to rethink everything was a guy named Cal Moulinay. And he is part of an organization called Liberate RVA. It's based in Richmond, Virginia. And he would just have videos where he'd go up to people on the street and he, he had this sign that says, ask me why government is immoral, mm. uh, which is just a great conversation starter. And he would just talk to people and he's super well-read, super well-informed. And he would spell out the non-aggression principle and he'd spell out how everything the government does is coercive and is based on threats of violence. And when he walked through that logic, I just, I was like, I, I can't deny it. Like that's, that's good logic. And so that was kind of the catalyst And then soon after that, I was reading Economics in One Lesson Mm -hmm. by Henry Mm -hmm, mm Hazlitt. So that was very influential. Jordan Peterson was also a big part of getting me interested in these ideas and kind of challenging me to think about not just what's good and bad, but who decides, right? And I was wrestling with this question, why should the government get to decide what's I should do with my life as opposed to me getting to decide.
0: Yeah, yeah. The who decides question for me, that's interesting. Jordan Peterson was the guy that helped you think about that concept. Mm -hmm. For me, it was Thomas Sowell. Right. And he, in his basic economics, what he talks about is he doesn't even bring up the government in the sense of like, well, they're the immoral party deciding, Mm -hmm. but he just made it sort of neutralized and said, a third party helps it gets to decide. right? And helps you think through logically, well, this is a third party. Well, what is the nature of this party? And you can, you know, we can go through all that, right? And you and I know where that lands. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what gives them the right? Because at the end of the day, there's just people in an institution that are helping you and me decide whatever, you know, they think is best for our exchange. Mm-hmm. And you and I think, hey, we're going to exchange something, service for money or whatever it might be. And they say, no, that's immoral. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Who gives you the right, right? Yeah. And so that, just from an economic perspective, you you realize that as soon as you introduce a third party, there's some moral ambiguity over over mm-hmm. that. So you also, you we were talking a little bit before, and you said you you call yourself a Christian anarchist. Yes. Okay. Tell me what you mean by that. Sure. And then did that come soon after 2018, or was it the period of six months, the traditional <laughs> six months? You know.
1: Yeah. For me, the six months was one month at most. I was. <laughs>
0: Uh, By the way, for those listening who aren't familiar with the joke, it is what's the difference between a, a minarchist and an uh, anarchist libertarian and it's, the answer is six months. <laughs> yeah. So it took you a month. For, for me, it was a month at, at most. I kind of went straight to
1: anarcho-capitalist and uh, never looked back. Just the logical consistency sure, of it yeah. uh, made sense. And I had, between Cal Molinay and, and a few YouTube videos with like David Friedman, just really laid it out super well. Also, a guy named Lee Friday, who writes for the Mises Institute, he has a site called London News One, where he has a series of essays where he just goes through and basically explains how would police courts prisons work in yeah, anarcho-capitalist yeah, yeah. society. Okay. So yeah, from basically uh, early 2018, I've had this philosophy and then of course had to go back into the Bible and say, okay. Very wary of confirmation bias potentially happening, but you know, okay. In light of this new perspective that I kind of have, let's maybe rediscover some of these passages in the Bible that that speak to the relationship between people and the state. So, what does it mean for me? For me, the anarchist part is anarcho-capitalist. So, I I believe in a stateless society. I believe that initiating aggression is almost always immoral, especially on an institutionalized level. And so, I think that we would have a freer, more prosperous, more harmonious society without the state. And I think that that is not only more ethical and more economical, but also more biblical. I think that the Bible teaches that God is the only sovereign and the only rightful sovereign Mm -hmm. and that human authority is a corruption of what we're
0: supposed to be. So that's what I would mean by that. Yeah, no, that's really good. That is in large part what most of us here at LCI are going to affirm, right? And the message, I take the perspective that if you can be an anarchist in your principles but you can pull people who are like, that might be crazy, into a minarchist position, that, you know, it's a directional kind of thing. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, sort of like, people are like, well, if Ron Paul got everything he wanted as president, we would have all these terrible things, and or we would... Yeah, we would have all these terrible things, or they wouldn't help him, the people who are against him wouldn't let him do that. And I'd be like, yeah, but if we got like 10% of what Paul wants as president, that'd be a really good step in the right direction. So Mm -hmm. arguing from the principle, as the analogy I'm using, is arguing from the principles of liberty and anarchism and nonviolence and peace and, uh, non-aggression, that gets people to think consistently and logically in the direction that w- where we are. Mm-hmm. And it makes them want less state. Mm-hmm. And that to me is a win. I don't yeah. know. Do, is that not purist enough in your mind? Or what do you think? Uh, no, I'm totally on board with that. Hey, folks, I just want to take a break from our episode to ask you to consider becoming an LCI Insider. We want everyone to feel engaged and excited about what LCI is doing. And the best way to do that is if you become a monthly supporter at $20 or more per month, you will become what we're calling our LCI insiders. You get some free gifts. You get an exclusive Crisis King magnetic lapel pin. We give you two copies of Faith Seeking Freedom. We send monthly ebooks months ahead of when they're released on our public website. You can get discounts on our swag, on our online store, and you get exclusive invites to our quarterly live streams with the LCI staff. In addition to that, whenever we do publish something like a physical book like Strangers with a Candy, we'll also send you those as well. So the best way to stay up to date on what we're doing and to support what the Libertarian Christian Institute is doing, including supporting the podcast you're listening to right now, is to become an LCI Insider. So to do that, go to libertarianchristians.com slash donate and then choose recurring monthly gift and you'll be added to our list automatically. Thank you for your support and I'll let you get back to the podcast.
1: Fee is a big tent organization. Um, We have some ANCAPs, we have some classical liberals, some minarchists. And yeah, I I think that I totally sympathize with people who are like, eh, I don't know if I'd go all the way. Like, I, I think there could be some... Pretty disastrous consequences. I, I get that it's it's an experiment. It's it's a pretty radical idea, but let's move in that direction. Let's engage with the philosophy, yeah. the ideas. A lot of what I write about is stuff that both and caps and minarchists and classical liberals could all agree on. Things like separating school and state, right? And I really like that idea of well, we've separated church and state. Let's separate school and state, right? That's something that you don't need to be absolutely pure mm-hmm. uh, to get on board with, right? Things like getting rid of the FDA, getting rid of all of the alphabet agencies, ending the foreign wars, getting the government out of money. There's a lot of things that libertarians, broadly defined, can unify on and, and can speak together on. And so I'm totally on board with, yeah. let's let's share that message. And if ANCAPism can be our North Star, I would like that. Sure, um, yeah. But I don't need everyone to be on board with that.
0: Yeah, I've often said to people who are just like really anxious about anarchism, like, look, if all you want is the government to pave the roads and provide like a social safety net for like the truly destitute. Yep. I'm on board. Let's right. just do that. Because right. that's ninety nine percent gone, yeah, right? Exactly. And you can add just a few things in, which is where really where it goes wrong. Right. Mm. But like if we had, and I got this idea from Ron Paul, mm-hmm. he was saying, you know, for the government to be reduced by a certain percentage, we would have to go back to 1996 was the punchline. Right. In the joke. It's like, well, that wasn't that long ago. And that was yeah. under a Democratic president yeah. with, a, with a Republican Congress. And the 90s seemed okay. I mean, they mm-hmm. weren't perfect, obviously. And there's been progress and regress since. But mm-hmm. um, his point was like, we can imagine a government as big as what it was in the 90s. We don't need what we have now. And a lot yeah. of that was the military industrial stuff right. since the Iraq war and mm-hmm. post 9-11 Mm-hmm. Uh, foreign policy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, basically it's like, hey, if we can go down 95%, I'm game. I'll, I'll give you your yeah. 5% statism. Yeah. Um, I guess that's a, I guess that's a concession. But in terms of the rhetoric and having to convince people, mm-hmm. I have a question for you. You're writing for Fee, which yeah. is not an explicitly religious or any kind of organization, at least yep. on its face. I know there's probably Christians also that work there and, yep. and write for that. When you're writing, how much of your faith comes out? Do you get to be a little overt with it sometimes or do you have to kind of be measured in how you approach uh, certain topics? How does that work for you?
1: Yeah, I tend to be more measured about it. It does come out occasionally and there's certainly no rules against sure. me, me sharing it. But just because we're speaking to a wide audience, I try not to be like overtly religious, just not to push people away. Although definitely in my other writing for other outlets, I will more than be quite explicit. Yeah, be, yeah, be quite explicit about it. But yeah, just the nature of the articles... It's not specifically religious in nature. And so I try not to let that come in yeah. too much for those artists.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think a... I want to call it a dirty little secret of the libertarian movement is that there are a lot of Christians inside a lot of libertarian organizations. Yes. That, and their goals in those organizations, rightfully so, aren't to target Christians the way Libertarian Christian Institute is. Mm-hmm. We're, we're wanting to make Christians mm-hmm. into libertarians mm-hmm. and make the Christian case for a free society. Yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of Christians throughout the liberty movement. And I think that stereotype... I wish that were the stereotype. That would be really good. Maybe there'd be more Republicans or liberty-leaning conservatives to become libertarians if they knew all of that. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's been a rough stereotype of, you know, it's a mostly atheist philosophy and and stuff. What's been your experience? This has been, what, I guess five years since you've been a libertarian. What has been your experience? You're a little bit younger than I am. You've Mm -hmm. been in the movement a little bit more recently. Is what I just said something what you kind of noticed? How does that work for you?
1: Yeah, I'd say there's definitely a lot of factions. The world that I inhabit Definitely has a lot of Christians in it. And it's a world, and, and this is kind of Fee's whole brand. It's very mature. It's very professional. Um, right, we're not, yeah. you know, hippies. We're not going and getting high all the time. Although there's definitely factions of the liberty movement that are kind of more in that direction. But the brand of libertarianism that I'm really attracted to is this kind of more focus on personal responsibility, on virtue, on. Yeah, all, all of those things that, that Christians typically yep, yep. kind of embody. And so that's the libertarian circles that I've often found myself in.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to share about what you do, about your work, about your connection to libertarianism and, Christian, and Christianity yeah. for you? Yeah, uh, if people want to write
1: for FEE, I vet the submissions for FEE. So they can go to fee.org submissions, and we have our guidelines there. And we love working with authors, uh, publishing their stuff, but also helping them really workshopping articles with them to make them the best that they can be. But other than that, people know where to find us on uh, social media, and we definitely love to have people reading
0: and and engaging with our content. Excellent. Well, Patrick, thank you for joining me for this conversation. It's been great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast. If you like today's episode, we encourage you to rate us on Apple Podcasts to help expand our audience. If you want to reach out to us, email us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. You can also reach us at LCI Official on Twitter. And of course, we are on Facebook and have an active group. You are welcome to join. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Libertarian Christian Podcast is a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, a registered 501c3 nonprofit. If you'd like to find out more about LCI, visit us on the web at libertarianchristians.com. The voiceovers are by Matt Bellis and Catherine Williams. As of episode 115, our audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com.